Welcome in to this week's episode of the Draft Champions Podcast. No, we're not talking about pickleball. We're talking about baseball. We're going to talk about Edwin Diaz tonight and how he's missing the season for my New York Mets. Let's start the show with a special feature from Tommy and Petey. Hey there, it's fucking Petey and Tommy here. Tommy Trifecta, take a listen to this. And then and then we have a, a cleaning lady who comes once a week, and she walked in today and she just looked white as a ghost and like didn't look well. I was like, Agnes, what are you what are you doing? You are you okay? And like for like a year and a half, she was wearing a mask, and then she came to me and she was like, Hey, is there a way that I don't have to wear the mask anymore? I don't wear it anywhere else I work. And I was like, Okay, you know, because we still haven't gotten COVID. Like we're the unicorns in our family. Oh, uh, we just, we I just got we just got it a month ago. You win. Congratulations. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. And so uh, I I was like, and she was like, I can leave. I will leave. I was like, Yeah, you probably need to leave. So then I called my wife, who was getting ready to give tours at the school. And she was like, oh, no, no, no. And I was like, did I do the wrong thing? She said, you did the right thing, but oh, no. So she was like, you need to make all the beds. You need to clean up the kitchen. I'm, like, I'm going to do all that. <laughs> wow, this is crazy, man. <laughs> Poor Agnes. I know. We're gonna, Agnes will be fine. And she, she's good. She's good. That's right, everybody. Hey, uh, Pistol Pete here. Which one am I? I always forget my name. But uh, Tommy, we got Tommy Trifecta here as well. Tommy, how's it going there, bud? Hey there, I fucking hope people forget my name sometimes, you know what I mean? How you doing? We're talking some fucking auction tips here, right? It's an auction uh, episode. It's an auction episode, we're going to talk all about it, but what about that segment we just heard a moment ago with uh, uh, Agatha, uh, Agnes, Agnes? The, uh... Oh, fucking Agnes. She doesn't want, I'll let her wear whatever fuck she wants to wear, you know what I mean? <laughs> you know me, I love to see them wrinkles, but yeah, I guess Con bagged her, so we're kind of tea-bagging her now. We've got Agnes in our employ. I know I've had her over at my place cleaning things up when the wife will do her fucking job. How about you? You have uh, Agatha Bernice over there? Oh, fucking Agatha, she she fucking cleans up nice. She cleans up nice, and I'll tell you what, we had a little, mata- excuse me, menage a trois uh, with uh, <laughs> Bernadette. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, maybe we can set that up. You, me, Agnes, and, uh, you know, little liquor in the front, poker in the rear. I don't know what you're thinking, but maybe we all kind of hang out some night. Oh, fuck, that sounds fantastic. I don't know what she's used to over there from uh, Ian Cohen. Puts a crown on her or something, uh, but uh, she's got to wear a mask there. Doesn't doesn't have to wear anything here. (laughs) You know what I mean? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> That's right, a little role play, maybe a little maid outfit. But hey, let's get into it. Enough about that hag. But uh, let's talk about what we're going to talk about tonight: the auction tips. We got uh, Matt uh, Mo uh, uh, Moped here tonight, another guy as well. And what do you think? So my my auction strategy number one: I am always going after the stars and scrubs. It's the only way to do it. And Petey, I know that That's you're a- like fucking Agnes of scrubs. <laughs> yeah, put her in some scrubs, maybe get a little doctor fantasy going. I mean, women yeah, can't be I'm doctors. But... And knees without, a, without a mask on my bathroom floor. <laughs> there you go. But tell me about your stars and scrubs strategy a little bit. Well, you know, I know that's the only way to go. Anything else, and you're a fucking idiot. But yeah, how do you do stars and scrubs? Yeah, it's fucking stars and scrubs all the way, buddy. But you know what? I got I to gotta tell you, I got to elaborate a little bit here. The first thing I do when I'm in a fucking live auction, 
I look at the biggest fish in the room. So overall champ like Halusker, for example, I find out who he wants and I just fucking bit him up until he can't bid anymore. I price and force the fuck out of him until I don't even care if I have no money. I just price and force, price and force, and fucking price and force. That's how you win. That's exactly it, man. You're not going to let these guys get away with a cheap price on something. Now, everybody will say, they'll try to say to you, Petey, hey, what if you end up owning the player? What if it's a guy you don't really want to roster, as the soy boys say? What, what if it's that kind of situation that you accidentally draft the son of a bitch? Oh, fuck. You just, you just, you just hold on to him. You hold on to a player you don't want because you know what? You can't let the other people get him. That's right. You got to price and force their asses. Another, another thing I like to do in these auction drafts is you got to do the stack attack. Oh, yes. That's right, sir. That's right. It's not just a DFS strategy. You want to do the stack attack in a season long as well. I told you before, I talked about another episode, the Oakland A's right now. I want them all. I want Seth Brown. I want uh, 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 Ester, uh, Estrogen Perez. I, I want all of them on my team. Uh, Jonas Cespedes, give me all of them right now. Stack attack. Yeah, fucking LL, LLDS. Yeah, for, for sure, man. And you know what? The stacking works in auctions and snakes. It's fucking universal. And for me, I just want to get as many fucking stashes as I can. So give me Bryce Harper. Fucking give me Liam Hendricks. Give me Trevor Story. All these guys are going fucking dirt fucking cheap. Give me at least five or six of them. One dollar each. Then I got a lot of money for my stars and scrubs. So... Fucking, yes. you gotta be stashing these players, man. You gotta get with the times. Get your get your get your finger on the fucking pulse. Story, Hendricks, Harper, fucking Edwin Diaz. I was fucking- just gonna say. I was just gonna say, man. You missed the trumpet boy, Edwin O. Yeah, exactly, fucking buddy. Fucking, yes. we're, we're, we're in fucking sync here. And that's an extra sneaky one because you just went down last night playing to that stupid ass WBC bullshit. Uh, I guess we got a segment about that coming up a little bit later tonight with one of our other people. How about okay? Last thing. Having the hammer. That's right. Hammer time. You know what? I got the fucking hammer. Absolutely. Yeah, well, I know you do. I've seen you in action. Agnes there. knows too. Agnes knows. Agnes knows too. She was walking funny for a goddamn week after that one. But hey, how, how about uh, having the hammer at the end? Okay. You want to be able to get the $1 guy for $2. You know, you got it. How uh, Halusker, one of these other son of a bitches sitting around saying, hey, uh, oh, I'm going to put out a sneaky buy, and you want to just say, you motherfucker, and boom, hammer them down, right? Yeah, fucking Pazma, Halusker, all these fucks. Yeah, you want to, you just want to fucking lay the hammer on these fucking guys. They did, they got no, sh- they got not, they got nothing on fucking Tommy and Petey, right? Hell no, man. Yeah, we, yeah, uh, that pretty much covers the auction strategy. I think you got any other thoughts there for us, Petey? Fuck no. Okay, is this shit over? Uh, Hey, everyone, this is Rick Poundstone, and we're here to start the uh, Draft Champion on Ease podcast. And uh, before we get in, I just wanted kind of to tell everybody about a story from this past weekend. Uh, you know, silly old Uncle Rick, I was driving the uh, 4x4. The wife and I were down at the uh, local watering hole, and silly me, I got stuck in some mud. I had the tires spinning and everything, and it was just, you know, a terrible ordeal and i'm not the biggest car guy you know what i mean so it was really not that great you know shit somebody's rick open up okay i 
Somebody's at the door. Yes? Rick, open up. I know you're in there and I need the money. Sure. <laughs> I think this is my landlord, boys. Uh, I, you know, it's we're in the middle of the month. I, Rick, open the goddamn. Okay, I, 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 I'm gonna have to go for a moment. Uh, Zach, go ahead and uh, take it away, and um, yeah, go ahead and start the show. I'm so excited for the season coming up. I got all this nervous energy, and there's just my, my foot's tapping. I just can't stop my foot from tapping. I'm so excited and. Uh, you know, I got all my draft prep ready and stuff like that. And, uh, um, you know, what do you guys think about this yogurt league? Um, I... Welcome to the Draft Champions Podcast. We got Matt Modica and um, Jason Anthony here. How are you guys doing? Doing well. Uh, excited to be on with you guys. And uh, we're going to make Jason a star tonight. Yeah, exactly. It's the first time you're like, I've I never heard you on a podcast, but I've seen you. Like, I always talk to you and I've seen you in Vegas and. Um, I don't know. Do you want to say where they can find you on Twitter? No, uh, they can't find me, Zach. I'm not posting much. Okay, good. <laughs> You're boom something. That's, uh... I think it's I think it's boom sixty two. Okay. Yes, at boom sixty two. Uh, hell of a guy. Hell of a player. So. And everyone knows where Modica is, so there's no point of even yeah. saying anything there. <laughs> we're, 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 we're gonna talk about so it's, auctions. Not, it's probably better off not saying anything. <laughs> whatever, whatever. We're gonna talk about auctions, and we just had a nice like a little introduction from a bunch of guys, so we, you guys didn't hear that, but we um yeah, whatever. You'll 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 see if you listen to the, the podcast. Um so yeah, um I want to talk about auctions. There's not enough about auctions. We haven't done a, a complete um episode dedicated to auctions. Um people were talking about the Rob. D with um Sean John. That was a good episode. Mm. But we're gonna try and talk about some try and talk on uh you covered a lot of good stuff. We're gonna try and touch on some different things. And I know Matt, you're you're a veteran of the auctions. You've done a lot, you've been very successful. And I think uh Jay, we were in an auction in Vegas last year together, I believe. Yeah, that wasn't as successful, but it was a good time. It's fun. And uh you uh you uh sniped me on Bauer, you outbid me. I remember that. But yeah, great bid. Yeah, it was cheap though. <laughs> wasn't was it wasn't the end of the world. But um no. yeah, like um talk about like me and Matt just finished a five hundred dollar DC auction. Those are fun. Um and uh what's the is there any difference between the DC and the and like the the like I guess the the fab auctions and um the higher stakes ones? Maybe we'll start with Matt. Like uh do you do you, do you uh, notice any differences in terms of your what your strategy is? in the different uh, formats? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think absolutely. And again, this is not to sound snobbish or anything, but as the price points go up, I, I'll take a lot more risk in a 150 DC or a 150 auction than I'm going to take in a $1,500 auction or a $2,500 auction or even a draft. You know, I'm more willing to dra draft or buy Jacob DeGrom in a 150 than I am in a higher stake league. You know, there's there's more risk. There's you know, you're putting up more capital. I think that's, I think that's just common sense. I, I don't think that's, you know, anything other than that. And look, I get it. I'm not saying you know, maybe in the mains this weekend or you know ne next week, whenever I end up with the drama on my team. But I'm going to be a little more hesitant than I would in, in others. And I I think you know, maybe you'll be willing to try some more stuff. At least I am in say a 150 uh as far as like the dc auction versus a standard auction i know in the dc i can fill out my team in 27 rounds so 
I can, you know, it, it doesn't have to be like perfect. I can get my guys, I can draft, you know, I'm more comfortable with a prospect that, you know, maybe it's like 50-50, he's making the opening day roster, but I know at some point he's going to be on the team because I can fill him in, obviously, at the end. And, you know, so I, I I think that's the big difference to me. And I think you, you prepared a lot of really good questions for tonight's uh, episodes. I'm, I'm pretty excited to talk about it. So for, for me, I guess, I guess, Jay, maybe you can, I'll throw this next question out to you, Jay. Um, Matt talked about being a little bit more conservative in the higher money leagues. Do you think that um, people spread their money more? Um, I guess maybe this is a similar question, but like in the higher money leagues, you don't see people go studs, duds as frequently? You know, I've seen, I've seen a lot of stars and scrubs be successful in the bigger leagues. Um, the big thing that I've noticed is the pitching gets pushed up even more comes mm-hmm. uh, high auctions. Um, you know, I think my first year I went in with a 95 or $100 budget for pitching and I just – I couldn't do it. Um, everything is two to four dollars more expensive on the pitching side. It seemed like, which provides better values on hitting. But if you're trying to build a staff for cheap, uh, you're going to get outbid, and then you're going to get in a situation where it's um, you're panicking a little bit. Right. And um, someone like myself who's done a lot of the lower um, dollar, like the 150s throughout the the draft season in February and March, I sort of have like a register in my head going off, like okay these players, this, this, this auction is going for people are paying up people are paying more money or they're paying less money. And as you get in, you sort of know when you're getting the values, for example, like, let's just say like before Saya Suzuki got injured, he was going for like $18. So if he was like stalling at 15 or 16, I know I'm getting a, a relative value and um, that's going to, that's going to be helpful um, relative to this draft and other drafts. But is it important? To, I think that you brought up a good point. It's important to realize that, like, when you go into Vegas or New York and you're in these auctions and you have a hitter that you, you throughout the all draft season you've been seeing go for eighteen dollars and he's stalling at like thirteen, fourteen dollars. Is that really a deal? Um, and because you have to factor in how the rest of the draft is going to go, and you're like, all the all the hitters are gonna are gonna have a, a discount relative to what you're used to, right? So it's not really. It's sort of mm-hmm. you got to be careful. I don't think, I mean, it depends if you're, if that was somebody you were targeting, I think you got to be a lot more careful in the auction uh, because you want to say you buy that guy and you got it and, and you got a couple of dollar discount. That's great. But if that really wasn't the guy you wanted now, when your guy comes up, say later on, you didn't nominate him and you waited and then he gets up and you can't buy him and you're getting a couple of dollar discount on him. Or he's going at the price you thought, but now you know you your budget's kind of blown. And if you buy him, you're going to put yourself in a spot where you know you're only going to have a couple of dollars to bid on players the rest of the way. So I think that's where it could be uh, very tricky for a lot of players. I mean, I, I've done it too, where you know you like you want to do it, but uh, you have to stick to that budget. I, I think sticking to your plan as best possible. Yeah. If it's somebody you really key on and there's the value, you got to jump on that. But I think you got to stick to the game plan you went into as much as possible. Yes. You're going to audible here and there, but at least that's where I found to be when I've been successful. Right. So uh, you guys alluded to pitching uh, versus hitting split. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people that 
heard you guys were coming on. Uh, that was a big question that people want to know about. And that's a, that's a moving target year to year. So what I did is, uh, I don't know if you can see, I'm sharing my screen, but I sent you this yeah, sure. early, earlier. This is the last 10 auctions I've done, including the DC auction that Matt and I were in. And basically what this outlines is the um, pitching hitting, the pitching split in each of those auctions. So you can see it generally ranged um, from 36 to 38%. And it really, really overall for the league didn't really fluctuate too much. In our DC auction, because there was a bunch of sharks in that league, I think, I don't know if it had to do more with the DC portion or the fact of who was in it, like me, you. I, I, I think the room. Yeah, I think so too. In the room. I, I think, you know. So that, that was, was a bit higher. So you might see that be more indicative of what you see in New York or Vegas coming up. So the 40% pitching, which is a lot uh, when you, when, if you think about it, but then. Um, no, I mean, honestly, Zach, uh, I think, yeah. I think if you're going to New York or Vegas, or I believe they have a 1500 online as well, right? Yes. Uh, once you get to that range, at least, at least in the live events, we'll, we'll keep it there. You got to, I think, budget at least 38%. I mean, maybe it's going to be a certain room where it's a little different, but I think on the whole, uh, you have to budget at least 38% for your pitching to be competitive because it's going to get pushed and it's really going to be competitive to get these arms. And I think the the other most important thing is I know that everybody has their end game guys or the guys they think they're getting cheap. If these guys are really popping right now, the $6 guy is going to be $9. So you're not getting, you know, Reed Detmers at $6 anymore. At least I don't think so. And you got to know those $1 or $2 guys that aren't going to be $1 or $2. So to answer DuPont's question that he posted on Twitter tonight, over under for Clark Schmidt, $6. (laughs) Over over under. And you know know why he's doing that, right? um, Yes. yes. (laughs) No, but like seriously, do you think he'll he'll be over $6? I don't know if he goes over $6. I mean, that would be... That would be too rich for me. I'm, it, I'm not, it depends when he goes out. I, to, I told Jason, just nominate him first. And he's like, I can't get stuck with him for a dollar. I'm like, you're not going to get stuck with him. <laughs> that would be the greatest thing, though. If DuPont had like a, a staff of Yankees, like you know, yeah, five Yankee starters. That would be like, the, that would be the funnest room to be in. <laughs> so in, in the rest of this chart, really, it looks at like the number of players over $30 that teams bought on, on average. So that looked between like one and a half to two players over 30. And then four and a half ish players over 20, including the ones that are over 32. And then it looked like around five $1 players on average. So if you're, I guess if you're just new to auctions and FBC, this is like the average of what you're looking at. You're looking at like a 36 to 40% pitching split about um, you don't, it's rare to see more than two players over $30 in one team. It's rare to see, over six players over twenty dollars in one team, and you're looking at around five one dollar players at end game. Um, Jay, like, wh- are those numbers? Do you have hard set numbers, or or, or um, do you um, are you on are you an outlier in any of those? Um, in, in with that respect, going in, there's always a plan. How many one dollar players? How many twenty thirty dollar players? But you know, my budget's really fluid throughout the draft. Um, I'm moving stuff around constantly. If I go get, a, say, a judge for he stops at 41, all of a sudden my plan of getting a $30 guy and a $20 guy is different. Um, so it's just a lot of moving money around. You know, you can go in with a plan for seven $1 guys and end up with two $1 guys or a plan for three $1 guys and end up with eight. Um, it's just kind of the certain room you're in. Right. So do you guys think, like, what I've seen so far in just, like, the, the lower stakes auction is that 
there is a premium on starting pitching versus the snake drafts. If you just look at the like the average auction value and you can compare it to like the ADP, but there's also a um, the opposite of a premium, which is whatever. Uh, um, I don't know. I can't think of the name of it right now, but you know, on closers, closers are cheaper in the auctions. Um, do you have any, do you have any reasons you, you might think that that's the case? And, and is that the case when you get to the, the higher stakes? I mean, I'll go first. I think the top guys are going to like, well, Diaz is gone now, but like uh, Diaz and class A at the time were like, you know, 25, $26. They were going to go there. But even in our DC auction, like uh, a Fairbanks went for 13, you weren't getting a discount on him there. I believe nope. Jay did one uh, the other day and he went for like eight. So I, I guess there's a, I guess it will vary from there to there. I think the closure you can get a little cheaper. I totally agree with that. Uh, outside of like, you know, the really sought after guys, I think there's, you know, now maybe like four guys that, you know, are going to be really sought after, maybe five. Uh, and then the rest will settle in. But, do, you, yeah, do, I mean, do, you, do you like to get into that pool quicker because, or earlier, because if you're the last, if the last closer is on the board, you don't have any, like sort of like the, the pool's diluted, it, they they tend to go for more money because they're scarcity. Well, I mean, I don't think you ever want to be the last in any tier if, if you really need that. Or something, but I'll I'll let Jay take the rest of that one. Yeah, I mean it's uh you always want to get in before the last guy. Like if the last guy in your tier is a uh, Clay Holmes, um, you obviously want to be having your closer before Clay Holmes is the last guy, or his eleven dollar value is going to be fourteen if you get in a bidding war because you don't feel comfortable with anybody else. And I mean that's why sometimes it's better to you know. In the beginning, you you maybe get a little a little bit of a deal, maybe a dollar two off or a dollar two lighter, because everybody's focused on the you know the the big names or the big guys in that uh, certain position, where you know you're saving them maybe two two dollars if you're lucky three, that that ends up being a big difference, and that's maybe the difference between having you know a one or two dollar to a three or four dollar guy uh, as you go on. Now you mentioned Diaz. Like that's new, and I haven't done. I don't think any auction since it happens. Does that throw a wrench into anything? Is that going to create some chaos in terms of like not knowing what to expect? You think? Oh, I think Class A is going to be even more sought after. Yeah, so he, I think he'll get more of a bump. And I, I, I would think the people that you know are in on Hater are still gonna, you know, are are going to be, you know, maybe going an extra dollar or two because they know there's that one less. Araciel Iglesias is, you know, probably put in that category of Presley. I would think those guys that have done it, you know, on a consistent basis or over the years will, you know, maybe get a little tax on them. Right on. So, um, yeah, like, um, let's talk about nominating players. Um, um, do you like to nominate players that have like um, an average value? Like, because everyone likes to throw out the studs first. I don't like to do that personally. I like to, I like to throw, I like to go down the pool and just start throwing out players. I don't want like in the um, the lower end, maybe like a, like a Suzuki or like a Stroman or like in DuPont's case, a Schmidt, if you're, if you, will, <laughs> if you, if you know, they're not going to go for anything like, um, like I like a guy that I'm, I think I know that you like, but um. I I'm not really as high on him as Jordan Montgomery. I like, he's sort of a guy that like 
I don't like want him to be going late in the auction and then somebody getting a deal on him. I want him to go for full freight. So I'll throw him out early. Um, do you like to do that or do that? Because I, I find most people just throw out the, the players close to the top of the list first. You can go first, Jay. You know, I'm not really into throwing guys out to quote unquote, get money out. I'm more using it for information or if there's a guy in a certain tier, I want I, I kind of mix it up on my nominations uh, depending how the room's going. Uh, but I'm not really looking at a $12 guy. Just hope he goes for 15 just to get an extra three bucks out. So like, let's say you're targeting like uh, Reese Hoskins. Are you going to throw it like CJ Crone? Is that like what you mean? What you mean? Yeah. So like if those guys are right next to each other, just to kind of get an idea, is that tier going to be at a little discount? Um, and then, you know, I'd, if it was, then I would try to throw out Hoskins next time out just to see if I can get that discount. Hmm. That's interesting. It's a good point. Uh, I definitely want to mix it up. I definitely want to throw out guys I don't want and guys that I do want. And I, I think you have to be doing that because if you keep throwing out guys you don't want, I think I, I think you get into a little, uh, you know, everybody starts picking up on that. And I, I sometimes, you know, you want to get some money off. Sometimes early is, you know, people are a little hesitant. Like, say everybody wants a cooner. And J Rod, you throw a guy a little lesser down. They want to save maybe a couple. Of, they want to save it to bid on that guy. So you you kind of sneak in a little sometimes. I mean, not, not all the time, but I'm yeah, just. I, I think you definitely have to be doing both. I, I wouldn't just. That's just me. Right. All right. Um, so auctions are obviously different than snake drafts because you have to fill out your twenty three roster spots before. The reserve rounds so um you have to get two catchers so you um and you have to have nine pitchers um so compared to a snake a snake draft your reserve rounds will be in my opinion plush with like starting pitchers um like compared to what you're used to seeing in the snake drafts and slew of catchers um and players like um um like like shitty corner infielders like could be drafted in the auction, whereas they wouldn't be going until like past pick 400 in, in snake drafts. So how can you take advantage of, of, of sort of this experience and knowing this is going to happen? Matt, you want to start? I mean, I'll say not even from, uh, taking advantage of it. I think what's crucial is you can't wait. I mean, I don't want to be left with just $2 on catchers at, at the end of it anyway. And, you know, I've changed from at least getting the one good catcher and all that. But I, I think for me, I want to set it up is what am I going to spend on catchers and what am I going to spend on closers? So, I mean, I know the guys I want, and then I got to try and weed it out. I got to say, who, who am I going to sacrifice so I can have my catchers and I can have the closers? So that's how I'm looking at it more. And for the reserve round, I'm focusing on uh, what are the positions I need to fortify? Like, say, I got four $1 players. So I'm weak at third base or I'm weak at, you know, whether it's second base. Just to say, like, some people want to have a solid infield. And they're like, I'll, I'll build out from the outfield. I'll take a couple of dollar guys there. I mean, I'm, I've been kind of the opposite of that. I think I've always been. I, I like building the outfield. Uh, I think there's some really good values in the infield. Uh, but vice versa, if you really like building the infield, uh, you need to know 
what guys you could probably buy for cheap to fill out your five, and then what guys you, you're going to have a shot at getting in the reserve rounds. And that's what you got to focus on, getting, getting the areas you were weak, you can, you're considered weak or light on uh, at that position in the reserve round. And obviously, you still got to keep getting pitching. So, I mean, you know, we'll, we could talk endgame a little later. I don't want to just keep uh, rambling on. All right. Um, well, that well, this does kind of lead into the end game because, okay. like, um, you got to look at what's available in the reserves, and like a DC would be different. Like, you know, what you can like, uh, like you could take prospects that you think are going to be available for half the year. But I'll give you, I'll just give you instead of asking the question, I'll give you an example from with me in these auctions. Is that in the reserve rounds? I don't like any of the corner infielders. Really, they're either like a Christian Canastian Strand who like I don't. Like now, obviously he's sent down, or it's hard to rely on him, or like a Hosmer or a Santana. There's nothing available. Like you'd be lucky if Belt's available. And just thinking, like middle infield is where all the prime prospects are, and like the sex pigs, they're gonna be they're gonna be up like throughout the year. Uh, but like I don't see anything in the pool this year at corner. Like maybe the Interstellar Strand comes up, and that's something. But like. I, I just don't see a lot of it. So I, I don't want to be weak at the corners coming out of my auction and having to like get an Eric Hosmer or Carlos Santana in lieu of like a high upside pitcher, like, like uh, some of the pitchers we saw go in the reserves. Mm-hmm. What are your, what are your thoughts on that? Like just like being cognizant of like what's available in the reserves and how that dictates your auction strategy. You want no, me for me, Zach, I got it, Matty. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's not really, I'm not looking at my reserve as like necessarily like I don't like this position. So I'm going to go this position Um, where it's made a huge impact for me is if you're at the top couple picks of the reserve round, um, Mm -hmm. it seems like there's always a player that shouldn't be in the reserve that's in the reserve. I I mean, I've gotten closers in the reserve almost every year. Um, You know, it's specs, but you get lucky with that. They're starters. I mean, they're starting hitter caliber that are in the reserves that shouldn't be there. Um, you know, when I did the ultimate, I kind of didn't realize how much pitching, like Matt said, was going to go off and, oh, I'm getting this reliever. I've got this middle infield all of a sudden, oh, there's no starters left. So <laughs> I think focusing on the starters, um, is, is definitely crucial as well, but I'm not necessarily focusing if I don't like a position to, um, in the reserves to trap differently in the, in the auction. Right. Uh, yeah. I mean, I think for me, it's like, Maybe a week ago when I was first prepping, you know, setting everything up, like those endgame guys, those dollar guys and stuff like that, a lot of the guys I like are no longer a dollar. Like I know I'm probably going to have to spend 2 or $3 on So I think you have to be cognizant of that. You have to see how – where has the market changed, like in, just in the last week? Yep. I mean, there's a lot of guys I can ramble off. But we're not going to talk specific players. But uh, – I think that's the the first point you have to be cognizant on, and maybe guys that you would say if you were doing uh, these these auctions online, that you were getting in the reserve rounds, they're not going in the reserve rounds anymore. You're going to pay for them. So now, if you don't know that, and I would be uh, another key thing advice uh, is. Have your reserve round ready. I mean, look, you're not going to have everybody nailed out. Some guys are going to go. And as, it, and as uh, Jason said, and I think it's uh, really important, like somebody said, well, it's an auction. You really don't care. No, I do. I, I, I want that first uh, pick. 
if it's up to me. It's like you said, there's going to be a hitter or a pitcher that shouldn't be there. And you're there always the is. First crack. And you're going to get the first crack at that guy as opposed to the person picking 12. So uh, I, if it's up to me, I won. So I, I think it's very important. But I think one of the key things, and I think on uh, Rob Dipp's pod with Sean, and he pointed out, like, he builds backwards. I don't necessarily build backwards, but he knows the the valuation, that, like the dollar guys that he likes. And, like, so last year was a Christian Walker and the, these other guys and some pitchers, like Ernesto Cortez or whoever it was. So you have to have multiple guys, at least a couple, that you know you can get for cheap. And the, fu- the funny thing with him on, on on Rob D's podcast is like, yeah, he listed Cortez and Walker, and he's like, he always said that he always have a backup for everything. But the thing is, his backups that he listed were fucking shit. So like, he he was right on Walker and Cortez, but the guys he listed at backups would have like sunk him. So it's like, yeah, no, I mean that happens. That, yeah. I mean that happens. When I won the ultimate auction, I got some really great buys. I got Solaire for a dollar, Dick yeah. Ryan McMahon for a buck. And look, you're gonna need to hit on a couple of those guys too, if you really, if you're gonna have a really good year in in, in that league, you know. So I mean, I, I don't know. I I think you, for me, it's building, it's it's buying the stats, and whether you buy it in the infield, and you're comfortable with the outfield, as I said, or vice versa. If you feel comfortable that there's some middle infielders, you know, you can get, or you got a guy or two, like a little surprise guy, then that's fine. So it's just, you got to know what works best for you. Does uh, having that first pick like change your strategy at all? Because I'll tell you sometimes like I'm thinking about that because that first pick is so valuable because one, you get those falling values in the reserve rounds that like you, like you say, shouldn't be there, but you also in the, in round seven, because there's 30 rounds total, you're also picking first in the last round too. So you're not even picking, it's, it doesn't, it's not even, even it's barely even fair. But when I'm doing like, when I was doing these 150 auctions, I'd be cognizant. I'd have, I was lucky. I got a bunch of first picks and I'd be looking and I'd say like, okay, let, let's say I'm, I'm, I like Andrew Painter and I did and he's fucked now, but, um, uh, like I was targeting him for a dollar, but sometimes I'd look and see like at the end, at the end game, okay, like a bunch of, a bunch of these players don't have, um, I've already, the last couple of teams already filled up their pitching. So I can wait and use my first pick on him. It's just sort of like looking at what your opponents need in that end game still. And you can sort of say, well, I can, I either need to buy painter because they got a lot of pitching they need to fill, or I could risk it and sort of like roll the dice and, and say, ah, like there's only four other pitching slots left. I could probably wait on him and grab him in, in my first uh, reserve pick. You guys ever look, look at anything like that? I really don't, Zach, because I'm usually filling out my roster before the very, very end game. Um, I usually don't get down to like multiple dollar days. Yeah. And so I don't really know who's going to be there, who's not, um, as far as who's going to be that deal. Is it couldn't it going to be a starter? Is it going to be a closer? Is it going to be a third baseman? Who knows? Um, unless you're down at the very end doing dollar days where um, you can kind of control that a little more. Well, I'm definitely always – you know, have a few dollar guys. <laughs> that's just the way it is. I never had the hammer. Yeah. Uh, I'm, and I'm, I'm fine sure. with it. That's, I, I just, I, I want to buy, I want to buy the guys I want and then, you know, try and hit on the guys that I think I can get and, you know, some, some good players that shouldn't be a dollar that are. And yeah, I think at that point in time, at the end, you have to really be paying attention to the room. And, you know, there's a guy that's got $4. Now, if you needed say a third baseman and you only got a couple of dollars and the other guy's got like $9 and he needs to fill a third baseman in a corner. It's kind of fucked. 
you, you know, you're, <laughs> you're kind of at the mercy. <laughs> you know, you pray that guy don't like the if there's only three. He he doesn't like the one guy you really like. He likes the other two. But otherwise, yeah. you know. So you have to. I'm not really, you know, I'm not going to be worried about everybody else's team throughout the auction. But once it starts getting really late, because I'm going to be buying multiple dollar guys. It, it's it, it's always the case with me, and I got to be paying attention to that. And you know, you you got to see. You know, if if it's that one pitcher, you're like, wow, this guy really shouldn't be here. And, you know, I really want him. But, you know, the other guy's got $5. He's got one more play to get. He needs a pitcher. You, you can't say a dollar because you're going to get screwed. You got to hope he just picks somebody else for, and blows yeah. his $5. <laughs> you guys looking at the early schedule for pitching at all in these, like, like especially in the reserve rounds? <laughs> the guy that I've thought of, um, that I was thinking of like earlier, I'm like, I wonder if this guy's going to be going um in in vegas uh, in the reserve rounds and he hasn't gone before is a guy like graham ashcraft because he's got pits like since he has pittsburgh he's probably a top three starter in that rotation i don't know if he's hurt now but i don't know if, i think he exited hurt but like but like before anyways that's just an example you guys looking at like that that early schedule and, and does it like apply to the reserves or even the auction uh i, I think you have to look i think you want to you know at least for maybe like I'm not going to not get a guy I think is better, but I, I want to try and be able to field a uh, rotation for that half week. So, you know, if there's a guy that I can get for a dollar in the auction over a guy that's going to possibly start that weekend that I like that dollar guy, I'm going to buy him. And then try and, you know, be cognizant of the guys like you mentioned. Who's, who's opening day starters? Like in Boston, Corey Kluber's an opening day starter now. You know that. I'm, not, I'm just using that as, as an example. So who's getting – some teams only have three games during those four days. So you you want to pay attention to that. I think absolutely. And if not, you want to draft a, say, good middle reliever who can steal you a win or two that you can slot in there, you know, maybe in the last couple of rounds of the reserve, just so you have somebody in there to possibly get something. Yeah, I think the three versus four, I'm always looking at that versus like like even with like catchers, like when mm-hmm. I'm buying like my shitty catcher at the end, if I have one or two bucks, I'm like, okay, who has like four games, not three? Um so like I I've talked about this, I think, but like before, but there like I see there's three pivotal points in the auction. I think the beginning, the middle, and the end, just to like sort of make it simple, but like setting the tone at the start, um, identifying the top players, like are they going like above or below? average auction value like is it is it an aggressive room is it a conservative room and you also don't want to be shut out of them so um talk about that first stage of the auction and sort of feeling out the room and um knowing when to get in and 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 um determining whether or not just from a maybe five or seven first bit first um nominations just like how this auction is going to go do you guys get a sense for that yeah um you know, and you have to be careful with the AAV going into a live draft, especially sure. a big money draft. I think it's more important to have your own values and knowing what you value the players at and if they're going higher or lower. Because like you said, uh, I mean, if you oh, everybody's too high and all of a sudden you're on your 31st hitter, you know, do you really want to build a roster out of your 31st hitter because he's the right deal, quote unquote? Um, sometimes you might have to overpay to start your roster the way you want to. Right I think that's super important with what uh, Jason just said. 
Uh, it's great to get values and great to have the hammer, but you know, if all the studs are gone, I don't know if you can still make it work with a, you know, with, with a meaty section of middling guys and stuff like that. But I, I don't think you want to be left there. And if the room's going crazy early, I know you said you like to maybe throw at a guy you don't want. People pay the full freight on that. But if everybody's trying to get the top guys and I, you can kind of sense it, I think that that's the time where you can maybe slip some guys in and get that 2 or $3 discount. So, uh, I mean, that, that's the way that I like to do it sometimes. If it, You have to be paying attention to the room. Because if they're not overpaying and everybody's not doing that and you throw it out, then maybe you're paying an, an extra $2 on the guy because you threw him out at the wrong time. So I think that's, you know, that's imperative to try and have a feel of you know what the hell's going on in the room like you said you've done so many of these 150s that it's just clicking with you yeah. in, in those you you know and you know you just got to be paying attention like having room sense you know i worked on wall street you got to be able to do you know more than one thing going on at the same time people screaming yelling you, you know and i i think that's the exciting part of it i think that's you know that's the that's the fun of it you know the uh, what's the word I want to use? Like the, the the fun, nervous energy, and you know the just just competing at that level. I I think is what really makes it. So yeah. you don't you don't want to leave the auction with a player um, with with your highest um, spend player under what dollar? Like, do you want to like you? You don't want to leave the auction with all players under twenty dollars because I've, I've I've done no, this. No, I do not. I've seen I'm teams. Personal. I've seen teams have no players over twenty dollars. No, I, I've seen it too. I've seen it too, and I'm not saying that you know it, that cannot work. I, I know. I, I know your numbers high, Matt, because you you generally like I've seen you you you're you're aggressive in these auctions. Maybe the question, Jay, like do you like do you want to? Is it like thirty dollars? Like, what's your number? Because there's got to be. You got, everyone's got a price. Um, yeah, and I, um, there's usually a group of players I'm targeting. It could be 26. It could be 35. Um, it's not a specific number, but I want to get one of those guys in my group um, that it's going. I'm definitely not going to build team average. I, I did too many auctions in Vegas last year, and I did a strategy where I tried a little more team average, and, and it was miserable. I, I just did not have any fun with it. What do you mean by team average? Like, what do you you know, I think I went, you know, at the time it was Trevor Story as my one for 29, uh, which was expensive at the time, but I, he was the last guy in that. But, you know, there was no first or maybe even no second round players on that team. Um, and if you don't hit on the, you know, the multiple thirds in that case or the multiple fourth round, you know, if you're comparing auction to snake, uh, you're in a lot of trouble where you're paying the money for security with a lot of the high price players. You know what you're getting in those stats. Um, that's why you're paying the extra five, ten bucks for those guys. So you you, you led me to a question that I didn't have on the agenda. Um, do do you think it's a fallacy that um, in an auction that uh, you should be buying players that are lower value players because um, you can't profit as much on say like a J Rod or a Cuna? Like the profit margin is very small, so you should be buying a lot of players because a lot of the players like in the fifteen to twenty dollar range because there's more opportunity to profit. Is that a fallacy? Matt? I basically want to have, say, I'm a lot more comfortable with the 
having one of them say the Acuna or the J Rod, and getting a couple of those, you know, and mixing in those fifteen dollar guys, uh, you know, where I, I think there are some of them that I think could really, you know, I think they can make a big value there too. But I have that rock. Now maybe you're you feel better getting two twenty seven dollar guys, and you know, then buying those those middle tier guys. So, I, I mean, I, I think it's just the comfort level. Uh, there's some people that want to have the want to have two aces, and there's some people that maybe buy the one ace and then they get the middle league group, which is a fine strategy as well. But who are you? I, I think it's more about who are you and your comfort level and how can you make things work. I, I think people worry about, they hear this guy did this, this guy did that. You're not that guy. Like, people aren't fucking filled the cell. So don't try and be killed. <laughs> I mean, I that's a, you know, that's what people are trying to do. And, you know, bless him. He's a beast. He's doing his thing. He's got his strategy. You know, if there's something you could learn from him that you could, you know, kind of help your game, then great. But those are going to be in the room with you. And you got to know what how how you work best. Hey, Phil's contributing to Rob D's, uh, D's Patreon. So, like, you think Groupthink was bad. Groupthink's going to get out of control because those were some respected players. So, I'm not saying to do it. I'm saying, but I'm like, do you guys think that, um, do you guys agree with me that Groupthink is probably going to get worse because of that? Like, that's a, it's going to be a significant thing that a lot of people are going to be looking at, like, those resources. I think Groupthink's going to become even more of a thing because of that. I, I think you should go the opposite of Groupthink in most everything in life. I think I, I, is, I agree with you. It's not a good uh, way to go. What's the saying in yeah. um what's the saying in uh training the movie training day uh with Denzel Washington? What do you say? He's like in order to save the sheep. I, I think some of the most successful players are the ones that know how to take advantage of of the group think, whatever the mantra is that year. Like I before when I was in football mode and before I even got in baseball mode, I just kept hearing like third base is so thin. You got to get your third baseman and all this. And, yeah. Uh, I don't know. I mean, look, I'll, I've said it before. Another part. I'll draft Austin Riley early or I'll pay for Austin Riley, but I'm not doing that because he's a third baseman. I'm doing that to buy the stats he can produce, you know, his position, you know, it's nice that he's a third baseman. Yes. But it's not like he's a third baseman that's stealing 40 bases. But I, I want. I think the elite production is that, and elite pitching are very scarce. I know there's a lot of pitching, but I think the elite pitching is will always be a scarce commodity. And I think elite production is probably at its scarcest it's ever been. Yeah, and Zach, to your question, each draft room is so unique. Um, with an auctions, um, mm-hmm. you can get a pretty solid feeling on the main event, um, even though those get a little weird. Auctions. It doesn't matter how much data you have. I mean, the room you're specifically in is probably going to be a little weird um, in a good way. Um, but you're going to have to pivot from that. If we, if you go in with a preconceived notion, I, I think it was two or three years ago, I was my JD Martinez. I wanted him and I had, I think, $4 over AAV written down for him. And he went $8 over that. I mean, it was something stupid. And I had my draft plan built around him. And so I, I had to pivot quickly. Uh, but you just can't get stuck on that. So uh, each draft is unique and, you know, for the pockets of players, you're targeting $15, $10, whatever your research shows, you know, that's the guys you should be going after. I mean, it shouldn't be just set based on a number and each year is different. Like you said. 
You guys just, think- uh, go ahead, Matt. I'm sorry. Just to piggyback off of what Jason said about, like, we have certain guys that we want to build our uh, foundations off from, so for hitting or for pitching, like he mentioned J.D. Martinez. And we have certain guys, and I, I touched on it earlier, but being that uh, DuPont brought him up like a Clark Schmidt, like a week ago, he was maybe a dollar guy. Or maybe Not even. Dollars. Like it, you know, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, that's what I'm saying. But now, if you haven't realized that this guy's gonna cost you a few dollars, you're not getting him in the reserves, you're not getting him. Let's do DuPont a favor. Clark Schmidt should be going for five dollars at least. <laughs> yes, <Let's> do, yeah. <laughs> tell him to throw him out for five. Throw him out for five. <laughs> yeah, if he, if he, yeah, if he has any balls, yeah, throw, throw him out for five if you got a set of balls, right? But, uh, but I'm just my basic point on that was everybody focuses on. You know, the, the guys we're going to build off of, which is obviously crucial. But you got to have the guys that you, you're looking later on that you're going to get these. And like, you need to know how the, mar- the market moved on several pitchers in the last week that were maybe a dollar or two that are no longer a dollar or two. And if you mm-hmm. haven't adjusted, you're going to be sitting there, you know, shit out of luck. That's the biggest adjustment is these, like I've done a lot of these uh, auctions, the dollar days and the, uh, mm-hmm. and the reserve rounds, like though they will fluctuate like week to week. Whereas like you might see like a gradual shift, like Christian Javier, he was going more expensive over time. Like you'll see, you saw that gradual shift, but these it, like, it's sort of, it's, it's significant for like the dollar, dollar days guys that like, you can see big movements and like relative movements. I'm, I'm looking at the board here. Uh, you have up like two bucks. I don't think he's going for two dollars. No. So if you were planning, you know what? I'm going to spend three. You're not going to get him. You know, Brandon Fat was you. Maybe you got him for a dollar. You got you got you got him for a buck there. Yeah, and he's going to go more than that. And if he if if we know, like say this weekend there's auctions in New York. If it was announced tomorrow, he's definitely in. Then he's going to go for you know a dollar or two more. You know, yeah. If he's in the rotation, Fat's going to be. If they, he won't. I don't think he'll be announced by this weekend. But I'm just trying to make the point how we, how it's going to yeah. change. Yeah, like that's like he's he's not a dollar anymore. You, you, you're not stealing him for that. And like you say, if the guy threw 167 innings in the minors, that's more than most major leaguers threw. So I'll tell you, I did before we did this DC auction. I did about maybe eight or nine of the Fab auctions. And I looked at the, the sort of, I made my own ADP of the reserve rounds because you can't find that on the site because you, they, all they give you is the auction values and there's no ADP for the reserve rounds. And I, I made that myself. And the one player that went in every reserve round never went in the auction round, but he did go in every reserve round was Brandon Fat. You were the first person that I saw that took him in the uh, actual uh, auction. I, I have. I have a lot of brain effect. <laughs> I don't know if but, <laughs> but, but, but in your defense, after that, he became an auction guy. It, 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 yeah. This 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 day was sort of like the pivotal point where his value started to take a little bit of a an upward trend. But before well, Modica moves markets, <laughs> no, well, yeah, that's no, no, for sure. The thing no, I that, do that, want that. to touch on though is like like saying a brand new fat, a guy that I've been drafting and stuff in all these DCs, and I got him for a dollar here. One of the things I am laser focused on this year that maybe I haven't done a good job in the last uh, year or two is making sure the transition from draft champions to the live events, I'm getting my guys and I've narrowed down the player pool. I want my fucking guys. If I'm going to go down, I'm going to go down with my guys. And I I think, you know, you you don't want to go 
You don't want to come back from Vegas or whatever and be like, you know what? I got 10 shares of this guy. Seven shares are in 150 DCs. And I, I, you know, you want it kind of vice versa. You want yeah. 10 shares and seven shares are in the money or, or whatever, you know. Obviously, pitching, you got to break that up a little. You know, you, you don't want to have all your main events with the same fucking two guys anchoring the staff. But I think in certain rounds, certain players, you, I'm, I'm going to try and hammer them home. And, you know, if they get injured and stuff like that, then so be it. But I'm not playing the FOMO game. I'm not overly diversifying on players uh, this season. And we'll see how that works. It could really it could be spectacularly awesome or spectacularly awful. No, I agree. I'm not gonna. I'm not worrying about diversification too much. Like I do think about it, but especially when I'm playing different contests, like my draft champions, whatever I did there is done. It's a sunk cost mm-hmm. going into big events, and um, there's no diversification for me. From that's a great word you said there. Everything that happened with DCs is it's done. It's sunk cost. You should go into the mindset. I mean, I have all my stuff broken down from, you know, the 150s I did, the 400s. The the uh, big uh, the 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 high stake DCs, and you know, so I, I know the shares I have in what, but basically when I go to when I get to Vegas, it's like I have zero shares of that player. That's yeah, the mindset I'm I agree. In. And that, I think that's awesome what you said there. And I think that's what people need. If you're going to play at higher levels and you're really going to put some money down, you got to make sure you get your guys. And whether you got to jump a guy or not, I don't really care if somebody thinks I made a. I was a, a fool for taking that player where I took him or this or that. First off, after that draft, look, nobody's going to remember it. And as long as I got him in, in season, I'm happy. Right on. So getting moving on to the middle of the draft after the after the first portion of the draft, you got the middle where like the the remaining budget for all the 15 teams could vary a lot. You could see somebody with like $120 left mm-hmm. and somebody with like 40 and it's a big, there's a big discrepancy. So talk about targeting like your guys. You talked about getting your guys. Now, some of your guys are popular. Like, like I think you've said this on other podcasts, like everyone that that you want, everyone else wants that same player. Um, everyone's mm-hmm. smart, everyone's sharp. So say a, say like a player, I'll use Seizuka, he's injured right now, but say he what, like just as an example, say he, you're, you're targeting him, but you, you're waiting on him and he's going between 15 and 18 bucks, but like, do you wait for him when someone else, like when he could be going, he's everyone's darling. So he could be going way over his average value. Whereas someone a little bit more quote unquote boring is up, is out and they're nominated and you just take a, take what you can get. But I think I, Matt, I know your answer is you're, you're just going to, you want to get your guys. Yeah, I do. But if it was a guy that I really wanted and I'm the guy with $40 now in, in that room, if he yeah. starts going over like three, four dollars, I probably can't buy him there. And I gotta have somebody else that, you know, I'm willing to be uh I'm I'm willing to get. And I think you're gonna come as as it goes on, you're gonna have to make some pivotal decisions. Like say, you know, you really got you needed to buy three more pitchers. And there's that one pitcher you had budgeted for like six, seven dollars, and you really want him. If that's the guy you want. Are you cool with two? You have two pitchers you can get for a buck, you think? And that's that. That's the mindset you have to be. That's the comfort zone you have to be in with what you have game plan. I mean, if you didn't put the time in, you're probably going to get run over. Even if you did put the time in, it's going to be really difficult. So, 
I mean, as long as you have that kind of plan, you're going to have to make decisions and say, that's the guy, this is my SP5 that I'm planting my flag on, whatever term you want to use, that I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to spend the six, seven dollars. It's only going to leave me two dollars left. So those next two guys are a dollar each. There's no me getting the guy for two or three dollars. And are you okay with that? Can, can you pull it off, basically? You're betting on yourself there. Jay, so yeah. same question for you. Uh, you were, okay, you were going to go ahead anyways? Yeah, I mean, yeah. I think the key word for me in that, Zach, is discipline. Um, it's easy to say I need my guy, um, and you have certain situations where, hey, I'm going to bid that extra dollar, but it, what does that do to the rest of your draft, as Matt was saying? Um, you really got to have a plan, and you, I mean, you should have pivots after pivots after pivots, and if you get stuck on one guy um, for the rest of your draft, and it could cost you dearly your last mm-hmm. five or six players, um, I, I mean, it happened to me uh, last year with Jorge Mateo. I was getting him in the reserve rounds and then started to get him for a dollar at the end. And I had my speed plan built around him. And, you know, I ended up having to pay six bucks for him. And it just kind of torpedoed my last four picks. Right. Yeah, I, I, think, I, think that's, I, I think that's important. And, you know, the one thing I will say is the guys you really want, you can't wait till you're in that situation. That's kind of on you to not have nominated him before you got to that $40. If it was somebody you really wanted, you know yeah. what I'm saying? Like say you really wanted to say Suzuki. If you waited until you only had $40 and, you know, buying him for say 18 was really going to screw, make things really tough for you, you know, to fill out another six positions, you kind of screwed that up at some point along the way. Right. So on to the hammer or at the end of the draft for like where you want the hammer is it the most important place to have the hammer um so this is my stance on it it's it's where the biggest values percentage wise um, can be and your availability your availability to pivot is most limited so like i use the example with sean john last year like he loved christian walker i don't remember who's backup but i think he said sasugo like yoshi sasugo maybe i'm wrong on that but like that outcome is like massive like the percentage wise like that's a huge difference to explain like if you missed on Simeon and he was a target and you ended up with korea for a cheaper price you made a trade-off and you can pivot real reallocating your funds but at the end game there's no reallocating it's either you got Christian Walker or you're fucked in that in that, in that situation. So do you agree that having the hammer in, in at that stage is the most important? Wait, what, uh, what stage are you referring to? Dollar it, days, dollar it, days, like between difference so, between a one and a two or a two and a three. So if you have the hammer, you basically your max bids four bucks instead of a dollar in that case is what well, you're referring to. I guess I'm saying like, it, it's like, is it important? Like when everyone say everyone's down to like two or $3 and you have like seven or eight, so you can buy like two or three, like you can, you can go over the top two or three times. Right. Um, yeah. I mean, there's certain guys that you should spend on, but if you have one other guy that's max bids five and you're max big six, all of a sudden you just lost your hammer right on one True. guy instead of yep. using it over three guys. Um, is that guy worth it? Um, that's a trade-off you're gonna have to look at yeah your scenario with walker and satsugo hell yeah it is Mm -hmm. i mean he obviously liked both of those guys so it could have ended differently uh you know it's each year's different and you uh, there is some luck involved absolutely Uh, i i I think it's i think it's really nice and awesome i'm usually not in the position to have the four dollars and everybody else has one 
I'm usually, you know, in that one or two range. But I don't think you want to be the guy that's got $7 left and, you know, the last guy he's going to buy who's maybe, you know, he's a $2 player. You're spending $7 anyway. So you got to watch out for that as well. I mean, there's the don't, pitfalls. Don't leave money on the table. You know, no. just because just you have $0 at the end doesn't mean you didn't leave money on the table. Of course, you know, you got $15 left. Your last guy, you just bought him for 15 to make you have a zero. Yeah, it's an opti- it's an optics thing. Yes, yeah. exactly. So uh, I, it goes both ways. Obviously, yes. If you can have the four dollars when everybody else has two, that's that's a really nice thing at the end, and you can get those guys you really wanted. You know, we just because like uh, you know Clark Schmidt, if he was going for three dollars, you got the four, and he was the guy you, eight, you would really. eat on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, before you know, before this ends, he's probably going to hit double digits. But yeah, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> All right, before we get into our last segment, um, we have um, the dog pound with Rick Poundstone. So we're just going to send it over to Rick, and then uh, we'll get into um, our last segment. So go ahead, Rick. Dude, I don't want to do this, Dad. You're going to do it? You're going to do it right now. This is what I fucking... This is what I told you we need to do for the podcast. I just hit it. I'm going to hit it now, and then I'm getting the fuck out of here. You're not my fucking dad. Okay, thank you. Here we go. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Where's the horns? I thought they. That is cracked. Well, fuck. Excuse me. This is Rick Poundstone. Welcome in to the Dog Pound. A little bit of different music today to uh, dedicate it to Edwino Days, who... While pitching in the uh, world uh, classic of baseball, has gotten hurt. He was jumping up and down. And, well, (laughs) I mean, his knee is definitely hurt bad. And here's what I want to talk about today. So we've heard it. And you want me to name names? I'll name them. Nick Pollock, uh, Bubba Thompson. uh, We've got um, uh, Dark Roads and a few other people saying this on Twitter, saying it on podcasts, and I'm sure there's going to be even more that I haven't heard yet, um, they are saying that, hey, this injury, it could have happened anywhere. He could have fallen in the shower. He could have cut his hand off when making a sandwich. You know, I, I, I've heard it all. I literally did hear the shower one. I'm not making that up. And here's why that's all bullshit. Uh, it's because, as my friend Bob Kramit said on Twitter. He was jumping up and down celebrating a win in the WCB. Now, correct me if I'm wrong. Do you, and this is just me, but do you jump up and down in the shower? Uh, do you jump up and down when making a sandwich? Do you jump up and down celebrating a spring training win? No, me neither. Uh, it's partially because I don't play baseball, but uh, yeah, I, I don't know where anybody is coming from with this logic. I know it's, you know, you want to look good by saying that, oh, the WCB's good because there's different countries. You know, whatever. If you want to go play that, that's fine. You know who should be pissed off, and I'm sure they are, and where there should be lots of outrage right now? The goddamn Mets, okay? Now, they're a joke of a franchise. They'll never win anything again, and they don't know how to allocate money, and I you know, frankly, hope they lose 162 games. But if you pay a guy $100 million 
and he gets hurt in this you know tournament that means really nothing. I mean, they haven't even done it for six years, so who gives a shit about it? Uh, I'd be a little angry, and I would put a clause in the contract barring you from playing in it if you're going to jump up and down and hurt yourself. So, you know, we can whine and cry and drink all the soy that you want to drink, uh, but the thing of it is, yes, it is the WCB that is the reason that he... What the hell was that stuff? That is the reason that uh, Edwino Days got hurt. So I'm Rick Poundstall, and this has been the Dog Pound. Hit it, Rick. Dad, fuck off. There we go. Don't play in the WCD. The hell is this? So what I, what I wanted to end with you guys is some drills. And we sort of talked about like um, general examples, but I wanted to get into some specific auction drills because I've never heard this done before. But before I, I, I get into that, I wanted to just circle back to the, the, the group thing. And that's it's sort of a thing that's, that um, I think you guys have been around and you guys got your finger on the pulse uh, and you talked to a lot of other smart players. But I remember the quote now. It's, to protect the sheep, you got to catch the wolf. And it takes a wolf to catch a wolf. And there's going to be other wolves in these drafts. There's going to be um, really good players. Like like in, in this draft, like we had Posma and Winoker and Cerebro, um, Geis, uh, just to, Maples. I don't know. I don't want to leave him. Yeah, Maples, I, whatever. There was a lot of good players. There's a lot of wolves in there. So it's like to be, to catch the wolf, you, you, you got to be a wolf to catch the wolf. So it's like you can't, there's other people that are going to have their own, like Phil has his system. You got to, you can't fall into the group thing. And you can't be one of those sheep. And there's, there's going to be about seven sheep and there's going to be a bunch of wolves in these drafts. And what's one of the group think things that you think is going to, that it really trips people up this year? Like there's there's something every year. Like you mentioned the third base thing. Is there something that, that sticks out in your guys' mind that's like, like man, like we're going to look back and, and, and think we're so stupid because everyone's fucking sheep with this one idea. Oh, uh, it's one idea? Or anything, uh, well, anything. I mean- or play, it could be, it could be a player. It could be a player. The one idea I haven't agreed on all preseason, draft season, whatever you want to say, is like the waiting on pitching. Look, there's some good pitching you can get, you know, I get the third and fourth round, even early fifth and stuff. But there's some pitches I, I preferably want to have if I can get them. And I think if, you know, you think you can wait on pitching and, and maybe, you know, maybe you'll get your deals. Uh, I just think in, in the live auctions, it becomes a, a, a lot tougher. So maybe that group think, if if I'm answering this correctly, would be that. That would be yeah. a thing for me. Is That's a correct answer. Not, Jay, do you have anything? Yeah, not a specific one, but, you know, I don't know if we'll know this until midseason probably, but what is the impact of the stolen bases um, with the larger bases and the pickoff move? Um, everybody's kind of assuming it's going to match what it is in the minors and match what it is in spring training. Um, but who does that impact um, and how does that impact draft? And I think there's um, some people that it's really going to hurt and some people it's really going to help. And, you know, you got to tag that correctly. Um I don't know if that's necessarily as group think, but you know the the consensus is everything's going up. It's just we don't know who and how. Yeah, I think the people that can identify which sort of players that's going to impact the most will have a huge advantage. Mm-hmm. That's a good. That's a good one. Okay, so these are drills. I got four drills. I, got, I want both of you guys to give me an answer, and these are sort of um, instances or 
just examples of things that might happen that have happened to me in these auctions. And, and sometimes it's hard to know what to do. So number one, you have a $20, you have a $20 max bid and $32 left. So you're nearing the end of the auction itch. Um, you need to buy 13 players. You can't really afford any more quote unquote big guys. You have two outfielders on your roster already. So you need to still fill out three spots. Taylor Ward gets thrown out. Say, for example, you like Taylor Ward and he's a target of yours. He's stalling at about $12 and his average is $15 or $16. So he's under slot, but you only have $12 max bid. What are you guys doing in that situation? We, um, we touched on this already, right, Matt? Um, you know, yeah. it's one of those things. If you only, you have to be disciplined. Um, and if you have to pass on your guy in that case, you know, you already spent, you know, 240 something dollars. You should have got your guy earlier um, because it's going to torpedo you if you probably go more and get that quote unquote value. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that's the correct answer. And I think the correct answer again is like, he shouldn't be there at that point in thing. If you only have that, what do you do? I mean, you're really going to be in a really tough position and, you know, sometimes I think I've maybe lacked the discipline from here or there. I've, you know, it's $12 and you say 13, but now you're really, it's, it's really going to be rough. To, you you got to thread that needle, you know, pretty perfectly rest of the way. So it's, that's a tough question, but I don't think you're, if, if he was one of your guys, you should have never been there. I, I will say I've Jason probably more disciplined than me, but you know that's that, that's definitely going to be a, a tell. And if you buy him, it's a, a very difficult path ahead. All right, next one is sort of also deals with the people being maybe overconfident in their ability to pivot because you can you can change your you can change your plan during an auction, but you can only change it so many times. So this mm-hmm. is a little um, a little bit um, earlier in the draft. Say you have already bought a Cuna, so you have a big player, and then you have a big pitcher in Strider, but then you also have bought Jazz and Machado. So you have, I, mean, I didn't say how much they're for, but so you already have like a top 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 hitter, a top top pitcher, and then you have two other players. So you're already like pretty much at your limit of players over a certain amount. But then Devers is stalling out. He's a normally a $30 to $32 player, and Jason DuPont's winning him right now for $24. <laughs> Do you, do you like a categorize it as price enforcing this and and push him or do you want to buy the player for a good value for yourself? Like either, or what do you do? Do you, I don't think there's an either or for me is unless you really wanted to buy that player and you could, you know, move that money around magically and stuff. I think one, you can't price enforce. I think that would be foolish. I mean, unless you really love Devers and you thought it was such a great value. But in most cases, you probably got to let him go away. You got you got to let Jason get him. All right. In most instances. I'm assuming Jay, I'm assuming Jay, Jay, you agree? Yeah. And, you know, there are some certain situations. I was listening to a, I don't know if it was Phil or uh, Sean John was, you know, it doesn't matter who's bidding, you know, trust, look what's going on with you. Um, and how does Sean. that impact you? Yeah. And, and that was really an important statement because you always can get, this emotion involved, like this guy keeps one up on me or, you know, and there's certain guys that kind of get under your skin um, that one up you or try to do it or whatever. Um, But it's not emotion. You have a price on a guy. And if you think it fits your team, do it. 
um, but in that scenario, uh, if you ain't price enforcing with no money, um, yeah, (laughs) I mean, price enforcing in general, I mean, that is a scary, scary thing. Uh, (laughs) I I hate it, but, uh, I've got caught doing it too. Uh, so I'm passing on them in that case. All right. Yeah. I usually won't price enforce. I'll usually, I mean, I'll get the shit moving and somebody throws at a guy for $4. I'm going to say 15, right. You know, and yeah. stuff. I, I mean, that I hate, you know, when, when it's constantly done. I get sometimes you want to throw a guy out for a dollar, but, you know, right. you can't throw Mike Trout out for a dollar. All right. So scenario number three, we got four of them. So second last one here. Um, you have Nico Horner, Xander Bogarts, and O'Neill Cruz already on your team. So your middle infield is covered. You do have a utility spot open. Um, it's still early in the auction. So it's before like the second break. So before like before the 15th round. Mm-hmm. Javi Baez is nominated. I'm bidding on him. So you're in the auction with me and I don't have any of my middle infield covered or not. He's stalling at $7. Do you quote unquote price and for, I don't, I'm not going to call it price and force, but are, are you willing to spend the money on him and put him in, put him at your utility, even though you have those three players already um, to clog your utility? Are you, are you clogging your utility that early just to get a relative deal on a player that, you're sort of indifferent to say. Did you did you mispronounce his name in the draft? Who? When you nominated him? <laughs> um, yes, on purpose. I called him. Um, <laughs> I called him. Ja- I called him Javi Baez. Well, then you got to one up you, Zach. <laughs> you <like him? laughs> what did I call? Yeah, uh, uh, Yasiel Kikuchi, Jesus Aguilar. <laughs> I was throwing them all out. I mean, I wouldn't mind if it was a player that. I thought would really fit my team at, at that point or somebody I liked, you know, that I was on. I don't have a problem uh, filling up my utility with, with, with the player I like. If it's, right. you know, even if it's in the middle, that's not going to happen. That's not going to be the hesitation for me. Right. I mean, Matt, you have 14 hitters and nine pitchers, right? It really doesn't matter what spot you put him in. Yeah. I mean, if it's value then you like him, it's value. Uh, you get so many deals on UT only guys in auctions because people don't want to clog it up. Um, I think that's actually a, an opportunity to profit. There's not many UT only guys that are worth this shit this year. Um, but in past years, um, I think it was an opportunity to profit. But yeah, uh, the answer is I'm bidding on that one. Okay. Um, that leads me to a question that's not, before we get into the fourth scenario, I just had another question because Matt, you, you posted your team. You, you bought Shea Langliers in this auction. Mm-hmm. He's a really tough player to figure out in these auctions because I've shown my boards and I've put, I bought him in the, in the auction round and people are like, mm-hmm. what are you doing? Like he's a UT, UT only. He's your third catcher. You're going to roster three catchers. This is a really unique situation this year. Um, what do you think about that, Matt? Uh, yeah, I bought him in the DC auction because I knew the, the DC format definitely was a reason why I was more willing to do it. It, it is tough because I do like him. Yes, but I agree. Now with you that. have three catches. Yeah. That's, that's a hard thing. You you probably, you know, if he's only going for $3, say you get him for $3, yeah, you're saving some money overall in your catching, but you got three catches in your lineup, and it's not a DC. <laughs> it's yeah. only seven reserve rounds. So I think it's a lot tougher in the... Uh, Vegas. Yeah, I'm going to have a harder time doing that in a, uh, you know, super auction or an online champ- uh, an auction championship. I agree. Um, okay, so fourth scenario. And we, we sort of already touched this. I touched on this with like my Suzuki example, but this is a very specific example. 
Say you want George Kirby. He seems to be a hot commodity amongst the drafters, mm-hmm. groupthink, et cetera. Um, and you're getting a little tight on money. Um, you can probably afford one more pitcher in that like tier, in that range, like $15, $12, $17. Like, but $15 is really $12 to $15. Say you value Kirby higher than you value Logan Gilbert, this example. So you prefer Kirby by a couple bucks. But you have two, but you have two teams that have over a hundred dollars left. So two of your competitors have over a hundred dollars left at this point, point. Uh, and really they have a lot of um, purchasing power. Um, you know, Kirby's a trending name. Gilbert gets nominated, and he's stalling out at thirteen dollars. Do you go fourteen on him, knowing Gilbert could go into a knowing sorry, knowing um, Kirby could go into a bidding war, or do you take your chances and uh, wait? So do you take the bird in hand? Like just do you, do you go and get you, you need another pitcher? Do you get Gilbert for say 13, 14 bucks? Or are you gonna take your chances on Kirby? Whereas you know that these guys with 200 bucks in their pocket could be bidding against each other and he could be like 22 bucks in these in these crazy auctions. Is is Kirby the last guy in that tier with Gilbert, or is there other pitchers in that range? Um like I don't know. In this example, like maybe there are a couple other pitchers, but they're not any of your targets. Maybe like Lazardo's there, but you, you but you don't like Lazardo. Like you're you're he's, right. an avoid, he's an avoid for you. They're like what like yeah, they're the two last pitchers that are that are that are neutral or targets for you. And the rest of the the rest of the pitchers in that range are players you don't want. I'm bird in hand there. Um yeah. as much as if you like the other guy more, you I mean you're you're asking for trouble, I think, if you're not getting your target, even if he's not your main target. Right. Uh, for me, they, if if I like Logan Gilbert, then yes. If I'm really, you know, if I'm not, I'll try and maybe get two guys at a lesser tier. I would move on. I'm not just, you know, you're probably not getting Kirby. You have you have to have that realization that unless you really like Gilbert, Kirby's probably out of your ballpark. So it's the question: How much do you like Gilbert? If it's not enough to say you're going to do that there. Then you got to buy two guys at a lesser price point that that you do like a lot. Yeah, and I think just being in these drafts, uh, a lot of them, you get to you get the feeling on the trending the trendy players. Like, um, sorry, up until now, like I knew Robbie Ray was going to cost anywhere between fourteen and seventeen dollars, and never anything more or less. Whereas a guy like Kirby, depending on when he's getting nominated, he could go for twenty two, or he could go for fifteen. Um, Taylor Ward is another player like that. So I think it's just getting the sense on players that like if the if they're your targets, like just the it's I think it's very helpful to know like the variance of those players, like that you could that that, that the range that they could go for because some players have a much higher range than others. Like other players are much much more static. Well, there's gonna be some sexy people, uh, you know, in the next couple of days. Yep. Yeah. Sexy um, time is coming. <laughs> sex pigs. Um, so uh, before we go, do you guys I I have this on the agenda. One overpriced, one underpriced player in these auctions because you see the AAV can be diverge a lot from the average draft position that you see like in the OCs or the DCs. So do you have a player that, that you think is just like a good value and a player that you think is just way overpriced? Man, it's all relative to like um, others. Like for example, like just to put it into context, like People think Christian Walker is a good value, right? But then you have players like Naylor and Josh Bell, and it's just a matter of like how much down the the, the rung, like where is the value? The value. Since, 
the value in the auctions, a lot, the, the, the relative value in auctions is a lot different than relative values in snakes. So since, anyway. since you've been talking first baseman, I'll say Ty France. I think he's a guy that's in a good uh, lineup spot. You know, he's got some good plays in front of him, behind him. I think he was balling last year until, you know, the elbow and the wrist injury pretty much sabotaged his uh, second half. I mean, he was pretty much like a 150 RC plus player, you know, at the all-star break. So, I mean, I think that's a guy that people see as boring. People don't really see the upside. But, you know, he's not going to hit you 35 home runs. But I think he's going to do a lot for you. I think we'll get more RBIs than people think. I think we'll give you a good batting average. And he can hit 20-plus home runs. So, I think he's a guy that, you know. Yeah, I mean, that's that's a solid pick. Do you you want to give away anyone? Yeah, I mean, basically anybody that's boring, right? You know, they're non-sexy, <laughs> uh, so they're going to be undervalued. Um, you know, guy I highlighted was Segura. Um, you know, his men's or his average is three, his max is five. Um, good batting average, speed, not the best lineup, but he just produces every year. Um, he, it's boring, but, um, you know, it's hard to hard to ever go wrong with that. Yeah, I've seen him go for a buck. You sound you sound a lot like Rick Poundstone. I don't know if you met him, but he talks about <laughs> sex, the uh, the divergence between sex pigs and Bish- like the Channing Tatum, the sexy guy, and the Bushemis. And um, his guy is always Char- the Steve Bushemis. His, his guy is always Charlie Blackman. So and he- I thought we were friends, Zach. <laughs> <laughs> what, do you, what do you what do you think about um, Charlie Blackman? Is he is he, uh, is he is he is he a good Bushemi for you, like like Segura? I don't believe so. No, not for uh, me. Okay. Right. Yeah, I'm. Uh, I mean, I, I don't think he's gonna hurt you, but I'm usually my outfield is probably either filled by then, or there's a couple other guys that I want to take the upside shot on. All right, yeah. fair enough. All right, anything else? I'm done. I'm, I've run through the agenda. That was awesome. Thanks for thanks no, for doing, thanks great. for doing that. Is... But seeing be seeing you guys in, um, in about a week. Yeah. I cannot wait, man. What are you getting? In? I... Are you getting in Thursday or Wednesday? Thursday, Thursday morning. I'll be there Wednesday morning. Nice. I don't know why the fuck I'm at seven thirty, but I'll be there at seven thirty. <laughs> because you're flying out at four thirty. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Zach, I do have a fun auction story if we have a minute. Yeah. Of course. Um, of course. About three years ago, I was uh, wearing a Giants sweater uh, to the to the auction. The guy sitting next to me, I think I bought Bumgarner with one of my first picks, and so these. This team has two catchers already, uh, two top-end catchers, and Buster Posey gets nominated, and it starts low. And so I think I went 16 on them, and they looked at me, and they went 17. I just looked at them. I said, you guys are so fucked. (laughs) 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 I was like, I like money, not teams, guys. Uh, But, yeah, they had three catchers through i mean their first six picks it was hilarious they were just done so they were that. trying to price enforce you <laughs> yep <laughs> oh you're a giants I, fan you're gonna bid so maybe i should be wearing like a, a charlie blackman jersey to the to the draft and nominate him and hope people will go up on me Who, whoever you don't like whichever high price uh price player you don't like get that jersey yeah, nominate yeah. Them people too. that's good advice. yeah I mean, I will say there is nothing better than an auction. If anybody's listened that hasn't done it, um, you know, that's where I met Matt. Um, we were taking yep. the tram over to the Aria for the first auction. We just started talking and became friends after that. But the the energy you feel in that room, then I guess Matt said it perfectly, the nervous energy um, 
it, there's nothing like it. it. It is just so much mm -hmm. fun. And, you know, I had a blast with you last year and your nominations and yelling yeah. over Brady. Uh, Cerebro <laughs> is, is a crack up. DuPont. I mean, <laughs> I mean, there's so many yeah, characters that just make it fun. I blame DuPont for that because I met him the, the day before the auction. When, as soon as I got into Vegas, we were chilling at the casino. Fish was there, DuPont. And uh, we met Eric Albright and and Curtis Jones, and we we're all hanging out. And Dupont's like, you know, he's got he's got he's got the big personality. He's like, dude, he's like, you got to be loud in these auctions. He's like, I don't care, I'm just loud, and I just say the names. And he's like, I just to try to throw people off. And I'm like, okay, I'll, I'll, I'm gonna do that. So then when I got in there, <laughs> you, yeah, you did. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think Vlad was like, yo, you guys got to come see Waxman. He's just he's just fucking talking over the the moderator. But I wasn't even trying to do that on purpose. I just I just wanted to be first because I wanted to get the bids in. But yeah, like I Dupont mean, bidding himself up and Cerebro <laughs> and Brady do math. I mean, it, it is just it, you can't make this stuff up. It is hilarious. Oh, there was yeah, some, there was some funny I, things. I, I mean, I just think the excitement of everything from the auctions to the Saturday morning when there's like seven tables and you know fifteen players. Uh, I mean, I haven't. To me, that's like the high of like when I used to work on Wall Street. I walk into the trading floor and I had a big order or a big bag, and that's like the closest thing. And it's it's just awesome. And like you know, meeting Jay there and all the other you know people I become friends with, and you know, throughout the years, it's definitely the most sought after uh, weekend. And the Vegas experience is just night and day from the New York experience. So if you haven't been to Vegas yet, you, you really have to do it. And I don't really like leave the hotel. So. Yeah, Gialdi, Gialdi was there. I forgot to mention him. He was in the, yes. the first day. I can't, I couldn't, Great guy. I couldn't. Uh, Very good guy. Couldn't forget him. Yeah, yeah. He's definitely a solid dude. Happy to meet him along the way as well. Yeah, he'll yeah. be there again. We'll be. We'll all be hanging out. It should be a lot of fun. I'm pumped. Yeah, yeah. I mean, just just a couple of days away. Tomorrow's Friday. Well, you know, this weekend tomorrow night's the uh, Mike the Mouth uh, Ultimate on Sirius, right? Is tomorrow it night? tomorrow's? I believe so. Friday. Friday. Yeah. This is uh, too, many, too many. Too many. Not enough prep. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Isn't drafts prep Zach? Kind of should probably be doing the actual <laughs> prep. Yeah, no, but I, I, I think you want to like, I, I want to fine tune a couple things before Saturday night. I'm doing an online main just because of the players that have moved and all that. You know, because you, 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 you don't want to miss those guys that, you know, you were getting at a certain round. They're going to be around the two sooner. So I think if you don't yeah. take the time out to write some shit down, I think it helps you. Yeah, for me, it's yeah. just mapping out the, the, the auctions because the, the, the smaller auctions, I just sort of was getting relative value because it's all part of the overall. And I want to be getting this player for $20 when he's been going for $25, mm -hmm. building a better team. And it's more of like diversifying a little bit, but... These auctions, I want to build a plan and build a conservative plan. So build in, build in a buffer for these players, knowing pitching is a little higher and um, just knowing that your team on paper is not going to look as good as some of the teams you've already had because it's going to be tougher competition. How many are you doing? That's was. I'm doing two auctions in Vegas. Nice. Um, I'm doing the contract league. On That's Thursday right. Thursday, we're going to have a fun time. Thursday night contract. Yeah. The regular you guys May. are crazy. I don't honestly. I don't. Even, I, don't even, I don't even know the rule. Like all the rules, I got to read up on that. They changed. It. it used to be like there was a list of the players, and a lot of guys were like five dollars. But now there's just the price. Derek sent it. I got to print it out myself after everything. Uh, Derek sent it. It's only the top 100 players. Right. Prices. You know, like Jake. Uh, Mike Trout's three hundred dollars. 
So, you know, but other guys, you know, just say like a J-Rod's 45 so, so isn't um really isn't like the one thousand dollars that goes to the wards of DC? Isn't that just like has nothing to do with the the their contracts? And there's a private pool that has to do with the contracts. The thousand that goes to the I think that there's like um, I forget what it is, but say it's eight thousand for first, thirty five hundred for second, fifty hundred for third, and then every week there's like an eight or nine hundred dollar. You win the week, you right. get eight or nine hundred dollars. So over 26 weeks, that's that's a total different spin on it now. Yeah. So, I mean, it used to be crazy. Like the, it's interesting. The, the money that was involved with it, like Glenn Lowe used to be doing it with us. Like Puzma, who owed 5,000, who owed 7,500, you know, just on that fucking DC. We used to do it in February. So it was it was, it was was pretty wild. Yeah, it should be fun. should be fun. I'm looking yeah. forward to it. Well, thanks, guys. I'll, I'll let, the, uh, let you guys go. And uh, well, thank you for having us. Yeah, I think it was a good episode. I think we got we covered a lot for auction start. So, so um, if, um, if they didn't like it, fuck them. How about that? How about that? <laughs> yeah, if you don't, you don't, hey, if you don't like this fucking episode, go fuck yourself. <laughs> and uh, yeah, Zach, exactly. appreciate and, you having me, dude. And thanks for coming mm -hmm. on, Jace. Yeah, 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 was great, great, yeah, great to introduce you to everyone. As um, yeah, no, you're an awesome player and a uh, great guy, so you should be. Should be doing these podcasts like everyone else. Um, I think it's. Uh, I think your people should would benefit from from hearing you, and I think they did. I think you did a great job. Appreciate it, bud. All right, no problem. All right, I'll catch you guys later.